Father that would not leave us empty. And so while we sing this song again, you guys, I want you to take it another step further. As as you're giving him something, receive something back from him. Because he does not want to leave you empty. He is such a good father that he wants to take everything from you to give you something even better. So why don't we sing that one more time?
so much for your goodness and for your love. And I ask tonight that you just continue to pour out your love, just continue to minister to our hearts as we hear our word, announcements, and everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hi, welcome to Communis Haas, everyone. My name is Allie. And first of all, I would like to um, say hi to anyone that's new, a first-timer. So if you guys are brave enough, you don't have to, but we would like to welcome you to Communitas. So raise that hand up in the air. <laughs> welcome. Everybody give a clap. Can you guys hear me okay? No? Huh? Should I talk louder? Turn it, up, turn it up a little bit. <laughs> Left hand up and then the gain up. Hold up. Better? Hello. 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 Hi. That works. Can you guys hear me now? So, okay. Alright, so this is a newbie list. On this newbie list, I would like to ask for your email. This email we use for nothing else but to inform you of things going on in the cities, what Communitas is doing, and how to get involved, get plugged in, and get some community. So I'm going to pass that around. So if you guys can keep on doing that, that'd be great. Can I have Matt and Katie Irvin come up here, please? <laughs> Matt has an announcement. Hello, everyone. Hi. I'm Matt. Hello. Okay, so this Saturday... What, which Saturday? This, this Saturday. Yes, I think that's the 19th. Eh, close enough. Anyway, right here at the ranch, from 9 to 12, me and a great old pastor guy who I love, is we're going to be teaching about Romans. Ooh. We're going to find out how to live the Christian life. Wouldn't that be good? I better learn. i got four days. Okay? No. We're going to learn about the Christian life. I don't live the Christian life. We're going to, look, we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Romans, because I love the book of Romans, because it's awesome. And it's scandalous. It's a scandalously good book. So you guys can come if you want. No pressure. 9 o'clock here, 9 to 12. The breakfast will be served. Lunch will not be. It'll be great. We're going to find out what's so good about the good news, how to live the Christian life by faith and grace without guilt, condemnation, shame. Because that stuff's bad. Okay. There it is. Go. I'm sir. Okay, I am running a race for my mom youth group, so please donate a few dollars. The envelope will be on the table. Thank you. What was that? Your what? You what? What was that? My I I volunteered among youth group. Okay. Okay. Nice. <laughs> How much do you need to raise? Uh, whatever. Yeah. Hi, my name is Katie, and I have been starting a prayer group on Monday nights for girls, for the ladies. So. It's at 7 o'clock at my apartment, and we just press into the heart of God and pray together, and it's really powerful. Sometimes we go, one time we went to the Capitol and just prayed against abortion, and um, I want to try and go out to different prayer houses together, just around the area, too, just to kind of spread out for my apartment also. So there will be more information and updates. All right. How are you guys doing? Doing okay? Smiling? Happy? We got two more. Two more. Okay. I just want to quick say, this is uh, the last chance for the couples event tomorrow. Central Park at what time? Six. At six, bring your own meat. We'll have a barbecue and ultimate frisbee contact. Me, Jackie, uh, Gabe, for more information. Thanks. Men. Down, down, down. There we go. Men the Bible study. Oh, yes. 
Men's Bible study Thursday, starting um, next Thursday at um, at my apartment. Um, <laughs> you can talk either me or Andy. My name's Tom. We're going to be studying the book of First John, and um, and by next Thursday, I don't mean this coming Thursday, but the next one. Um, so contact either me or Andy. Our, our information, I think our phone numbers and our email addresses are in the update. And it's going to be a good time. Um, so if you're looking for some community, um, some iron sharpening iron, and um, some fun, and some support, uh, this would be the place to find it. So you can talk to me or Andy afterwards, or call us, or, or whatever. Okay, we also have the owner of the house having something going on on the 19th. It's a Saturday, 7.30 a.m. The Red, what is it, the Red? Big Red. The Big Red is leaving the ranch. This is the ranch. So if you guys want to go with him, he's speaking on how to hear the voice of God, which is uh, just a wonderful topic. So if you guys are interested, talk to him or show up at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday. Also, next Tuesday at 6 p.m. is Ladies Hot Seat. And this is where we get together, pray, learn about some gifts, have a really good time, encourage one another. So I encourage you guys to show up, ladies. Not guys, ladies. <laughs> guys also meet at 6, but they have a different thing. So, All right. So, under our speaker. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if I can have our speaker, Mike Brown. Before that, can we oh. pray for Liz? This is Liz's last week before Next she goes. week is my last week. What? Next Tuesday is my last Next Tuesday. Tuesday. Will you be here next Tuesday? Yes, I will be here next Tuesday. Do you want us to pray for you next Tuesday? Whatever you feel like. Sorry <laughs> but, but Karen is leaving on Thursday for yeah. Japan. Oh, oh, we should pray for her. Does someone want to, everyone, let's lift our hands over to Karen. Can someone lead out in prayer? Real loud. Jesus, I just thank you for Karen and for this gift you've given her to visit Japan, which is so on her heart and is so on your heart. God, we just ask um, for your Holy Spirit to just flow through her in, in ways more than she's expected. We ask for uh, divine appointments, God. We just ask that you would just show up everywhere, Lord, that you would just continue to speak yes. to Karen the way that you do, God. And we just ask that your Holy Spirit would move in Japan, God, as she goes there. Lord, we thank you for your light that shines so brightly in Karen. And we thank you that she has this chance to take your light to Japan. And so, Father, we just ask that you would bless her with opportunities um, to shine your light to specific people. We ask, Father, for a divine appointment. And we ask, Lord, that you would use her to bring truth to specific people that she encounters while she's in Japan. We also ask, Father, for a hedge of protection around her, that you would send a whole army of angels to go with her and to keep her and to watch her steps as she goes. Also, Lord, I pray for my parents who are going with us, and it's the 100th anniversary of the Lutheran Church. Um, missionaries are being uh, paid for to come at, back and visit all these churches. We, we pray for new people that will be coming to the churches. We pray for contacts as we've already prayed, uh, even as we travel by train. Uh, Lord, uh, also as the protection prayer, I pray that over my parents because they've 
I've been tired. My dad uh, hurt his ankle, and we're going to be walking a lot. <laughs> and oh, and um, I started getting, a, a, you know, quirks here and there in my foot, and I thought, okay, Lord, we're going to Japan, and nothing's going to stop. <laughs> uh, thank you, Father, for your life, and you're a privilege to do this. Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mike, if you can start coming up here. You know, we have um, a lot of just wonderful, wonderful um, men of God that are really close to Communitas, and this guy is one of them. His name is Mike Bradley. He's spoken a few times here, definitely has the, the heart of God, and pretty much has some pretty good taste in college basketball. So, <laughs> Mike Bradley, welcome back. If you need the, uh, the um, light on, you can't have it if you That's <laughs> okay. I just think I'm good. stuck on a stand. Well, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. quiet group. Good evening. Good evening. This is my friend, Eric Lubtech, by the way. Sitting right here, he's from Sholo, Arizona. This is his first time at Communitas. So later tonight, especially those of you who have been members here at Communitas, been involved for quite a while, you can meet there and say hi. It'd be great. Um, have you ever wished or found yourself wishing that you had a skill or ability that you don't have? Yeah. What, what are some of the skills or abilities you wish you could have to them? Singing. Singing. Make money from the sky. I'm sorry? Conversationalist. Conversationalist? Okay. Speed reading and study. Speed With comprehension. <laughs> yeah, man. The ability to call down fire at will. I always wanted a friend like you. <laughs> what else? What other skills or abilities have you wished you had that you don't have? Musical? Musical? Sure. Public speaking. Public yeah. speaking. Sure. Computer skills. Computer skills. Yeah. Good list. How about a couple more? Question why? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I, uh, I have a number of skills and abilities I wish I had that I don't have. I, for years, wanted to be a professional baseball or basketball player. And I actually got pretty good as a, a high school kid in both sports and, and played on a traveling basketball team when I was in the United States. Great. And uh, I actually wore the number seven in both sports my whole career because my idol Mickey Mantle wore it in baseball. And my idol in uh, basketball, Pete Maravich, wore it as he played for the Atlanta uh, Hawks and the New Orleans Jazz and the uh, uh, Boston Celtics. I also wanted to be a rock and roll drummer. Oh, yeah. 
why? Why should they begin to chuckle? I, I actually was a rock and roll drummer in a band you've probably heard of, the American Revolution. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> anyway, I always try it at least once. Sometimes I go, oh, yeah. Uh, you wouldn't have heard of it. We were really big on the middle school dance circuit. <laughs> Back in the late 1960s, early 1970s, when I had hair. And uh, it was actually pretty long, and we would wear these great uh, moccasins with fringe up to our knees, and then a fringe uh, leather jacket. Oh, my tips shaking his head. You don't like that. They can't hear out there. Yeah, swallow the mic. Louder. Well, anyway, we had these uh, uh, leather jackets with fringe, and then we'd wear bandanas and and play things like Inagata De Vida and, and whatnot. And my heroes there were, were two jazz drummers, Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa. Uh, they were just amazing drummers uh, back in the day. But no matter how hard I worked, I just didn't have that kind of skill or that innate kind of ability to go on and be that kind of drummer at that, that level. I wished I was a wordsmith at times, like my friends Paul Anderson and Graham Sellers. I wish I could do what they do so easily uh, with words. And recently I was down in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. My wife, Debbie, of, of 31 years. Uh, yeah, and, and just a quick plug, it's really great to be married to your best friend for 31 years who also loves Jesus. So for those of you headed that way, that's a really great quality to look for in your mate, a great couple of qualities, a good friend, and they love Jesus. And she, as a teenager, she grew up in a pastor's home. She was a pastor's kid. And she was the stereotypical pastor's kid who drove her parents nuts. Uh, she got heavily into some drug abuse and some other stuff with her best friend, Jackie Rodnow. And, and Jackie and she rebelled together, they did drugs together, and came to Jesus together. <laughs> and we were down in Nashville with Jackie and her husband Rich, and Jackie's gone on to become this incredible artist, both in, in the mediums of sculpting and painting. We have some of her uh, paintings in our house. We've, we've been graced with those kinds of gifts. And I found myself wishing, I, I, I got to watch Jackie in her, her studio, at home and she put up this blank palette and, and let me watch as she began to create. And there was a, a stroke of the brush and, and, and then a stroke and, and, and then a different color and, and, and then another color and another stroke and, and it was just wonderful watching her create this picture that came to life on the palette and I I had just finished reading a, a novel. I, I read so much theology that for fun I like to read mindless spy novels. And so, and I like to read uh, novelists who have a mean character who goes from novel to novel. So I've read a series by Clive Cussler and his hero is Dirk Pitt. Isn't that, isn't that a great name? Dirk. What's your name? Dirk. Dirk. And he always gets the girl and saves the day. And then Lee Childs has a series of novels, and the, the hero is Jack Reacher, a former MP who's now just wanders the United States, getting involved in situations where he saves the, 
saves the day and gets the girl. You can tell where my mind goes. And you know, you're laughing, so you're going to tell your dad this, aren't you? And, and lately I've been reading a series of novels by Daniel Silva. And his hero is Gabriel Alon. And he's an Israeli spy. And his cover is that he's one of the world's great artists. And he's a restorer of fine masterpieces. And so I'm, I'm reading this novel. We're down in Nashville, and I'm watching Jackie create this, this wonderful, just beautiful, creative work of art on the, on the palette. And I found myself thinking, oh, I wish I had that kind of ability. I wish I had that kind of gift. And then I, I got to thinking on the way home, what would I do if I had that kind of ability? And if I had that kind of gift, what, what would I create? What would I want to paint? And no kidding, I actually found myself thinking I'd love to be able to create and to paint a portrait of a church that would absolutely bless the heart of my Father God. No matter what expression of the church you happen to be involved in, whether it's an existing church, a denominational church, a non-denominational church, a house church, a cell church, or a well, as you are here at Communitas, a church that is absolutely an expression of the church that absolutely blesses the Father heart of God. And so I got to thinking, well, what would that look like? What would I have in my portrait? What strokes of the brush would be there? What colors? And as I thought about it, I thought, well, the first stroke of the brush would have to be the Lordship of Jesus Christ. A church that not only speaks of the Lordship of Jesus in theological terms and in, in verbiage, but actually has a heart as a corporate body and as individuals to realign every aspect of their lives with the will of God. Every single aspect. I just think that would absolutely bless the heart of the Father. And when we do that, when we as Christians surrender, we were singing earlier about surrender, when we surrender to the will of the Father, when we surrender to the, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when we allow Him to realign our lives, it repositions us to experience more of the goodness of God. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is a wonderful thing. That, that'd have to be on my painting. The next stroke of the brush, I think, would have to be developing a kingdom mindset in the people in the portrait. Not a religious mindset. Not an institutional mindset. Not a self-protective mindset, but a kingdom mindset. Uh, the, the mindset that wants to give its life away as a church, that wants to give their life away as individuals, even as Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us. The kingdom of God was the central message of Jesus on the earth. Salvation was not the central message. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and salvation was the entry point into the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God in terms of the very life that you and I were created to live in the beginning that was lost 
that was stolen at the fault is now being restored. We don't have to wait until life after death to begin to experience again the life we were actually created for. So the kingdom of God with Jesus breaks in on this world and once again people begin to to know and experience the healing touch of God. The touch of God that sets us free from the demonic. The touch of God that fills us with the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus and enables us to go proclaim and demonstrate the same message Jesus did. A kingdom mindset. That has to be on the portrait of any church that would bless the heart of Father God. Well, if you're going to have a kingdom mindset on there, I, I, I got to thinking, you have to have the Holy Spirit. you got to paint that, that stroke in, don't you? Because you and I can't accomplish anything in our own strengths and in our own abilities of any eternal significance of any kingdom manifestation. We need the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to do everything that He did. Acts chapter 10, verses 37 and 38, the Apostle Peter talks about that. He's talking to a group and he says, you know what was going on with Jesus and, and what happened with Him and how the Holy Spirit came upon Him at His baptism and then He went around doing good and healing people of all their sickness and setting them free from demons. Then, after His baptism with the Holy Spirit, tonight, in fact, if you've never prayed for or experienced what some call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I dare you to pray for it tonight. Not pray for it, pray for Him. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian, let me back up, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we'd love to have the privilege to pray with you to surrender your life to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. That happened to me 35 years ago. I was 21 years old, a young adult, just like you. And I surrendered my life one night to Jesus. And He's been taking my breath away ever since. My life has been a com- taken a completely different path than anything I would have imagined. And it hasn't always been easy. But it's never been without purpose. It's never been without direction. And it's never been without knowing that the goodness of my God is always with me. So we'd invite you tonight to pray for that. But if you're a Christian and you're feeling kind of dry, you're feeling kind of powerless in your walk, we'd invite you tonight to, to talk with someone here and to pray for the Lord to stir up in you the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can't be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit within you. The question isn't, can you get more of the Holy Spirit? The question is the proverbial, can He get more of you? And maybe tonight's that night. Well, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the kingdom mindset, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit have got to be on this portrait. So I was thinking... Well, it would be the next stroke of the brush. And I thought, well, it'd have to be the Word of God. I think any church that would bless, any expression of the church, no matter what that expression is, that blesses the Father heart of God, believes that the Bible is the Word of God. No ifs, no buts about it. The Bible is God's Word. From Genesis to Revelation, 
It's the word of God. I may not always like what it says. I may not always understand what it says. But it is always the word of God. And if my life in any way is different than what the word of God says, it's not the word of God that I need to manipulate and somehow change. It's my life that needs to be changed. It's my life that needs to be realigned with the Word. And we need both the Word and the Spirit. I have a saying here, and I I can't remember if it was R.T. Kendall who originally said this, but the saying goes like this, if you only have God's Word, you can dry up. If you only have God's Spirit, you can blow up. (laughs) But if you have both, you can grow up. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Now, this next stroke of the brush, I I don't think one color would cover this. And and that's the brush stroke of prayer. Prayer has so many facets to it. And it has such an incredible importance in the life of Jesus. I don't think just one color could cover it. And I don't think any of the basic colors and the spectrum of colors can can cover it. I think it'd have to be some of these these incredibly bright and, and and just wonderful colors that are so popular today, the lime greens and the salmons and, 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 and these kinds of colors. Jesus modeled for us and he had so many great things to say about prayer. One of the places I'm living in the Word of God these days is in Luke chapter eleven. Luke 11 begins with this truncated version of the Lord's Prayer. And then there's this great story about someone who comes and knocks on his neighbor's door uh, after they've gone to bed. And they're just pounding on the door. And in that culture, when they've gone to bed, you've gone to bed with your whole family. And you're probably bedded down with your whole family because that's how you slept in that culture. And so if you got up, it it means you're going to wake all the kids and maybe some of the animals who are in the house with you and, and it says the, the homeowner says Get, go away you know we're, we're already asleep but the person keeps pounding and keeps pounding and keeps pounding and the scriptures tell us that, that it's because of the persistence of this person that the homeowner finally get, gets up and gives the bread that's requested and in that passage there's three things that the Lord's telling us about prayer first of all pray shamelessly pray shamelessly Pray persistently and pray expectantly. Pray shamelessly. Pray with boldness. Dare to pray what's really on your heart. I, I love I love children, and, and I, I think one of the reasons I love children so much is they're they're such a great reflection of the attitudes that God wants us to live with, even as adults. In fact, sometimes I think we become too adult-like in our faith. And, and, and it actually begins to hurt us. I, I think some of you probably know this story, but, but the shameless prayer of a, of a child healed me of an incurable disease. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with a lung disease that right now I should be dead. That was the pronouncement that was made over my life by the doctor. You have an incurable lung disease, and you will die by your mid-50s. And a, and, and a few years ago, I was down in Phoenix, Arizona with one of my dear friends, Graham Sellers. And he's got these three great little girls, Anna Grace, Naomi Rose, and Kara Santa Catherine. And at the time, they're 
they're two and a half, four and a half, six and a half years old. And, and Graham and I are watching the NCAA championship on his sinfully large TV. <laughs> I, I love basketball, and it was the night of the NCAA championship, and we weren't going to miss it. We're watching it, and the girls get ready for bed, so they get their, their jammies on, and they each give me a hug and a kiss goodnight. And the two-and-a-half-year-old Lana Grace curls up on my lap, throws her arms around my neck, gives me a big hug, a big kiss. Says goodnight, Mr. Mike, because their mom is from the South, so I'm Mr. Mike and my wife's Miss Debbie. <laughs> Good night, Mr. Mike. And she's getting ready to go to bed. And Graham says, Wait a minute, Anna Grace. Mr. Mike's got an owie in his chest. Do you want to pray for him? And without missing a beat, this little two and a half year slaps her hand on my chest and shamelessly and boldly says, Dear Jesus, heal Mr. Mike. Amen. <laughs> she didn't stop to theologize about it. She didn't stop to wonder, What if nothing happened? How will I explain that to Mr. Mike? <laughs> Not everybody we pray for is healed. You know that. And real often, we don't pray for that, for healing, because we're afraid somebody might not get healed. And how are we going to explain that? But a two-and-a-half-year-old doesn't think that way. A two-and-a-half-year-old is absolutely shameless. I mean, think about it. When you ask children, especially younger children, what do you want for Christmas or, or what do you want for your birthday? You, you have a, a two-and-a-half-year-old, Nicole, and, and one younger daughter, and and if you were to ask them that question, can you imagine Nicole saying, well, Dad, I, I know you and Mom are on a budget, <laughs> and uh, I know you've been bringing your finances back in, in order, and you've probably been attending Dave Ramsey's Financial Freedom <laughs> University teachings, and, and um, I, I know the pay scale we have you on at the church, and and, um, and I know what mom makes and, and uh, I've seen some of the sales uh, this year at uh, Target and Walmart so I think the one thing I'd like is such and such kids don't answer it that way they give you a whole list of stuff don't they? they they tell you exactly what they want without thinking they're bold, they're shameless and little Anna Grace just slaps her hand on my chest says dear Jesus, heal Mr. Mike, amen Puts her arms around my head, gives me a hug, gives me a kiss, runs off to bed. The long and the short of it is a couple months later, I'm back in Minneapolis getting my annual checkup with my pulmonologist. They take three sets of x-rays when they usually take one. They give me three sets of breathing tests when they usually only give me one. She comes in 45 minutes late. She slaps a couple of x-rays up on the, the screen so you can see it. She said, Mike, I'm sorry I'm so late coming in, but I don't know what to tell you. These were your lungs last year, and these are your lungs this year, and they're the lungs of a 25-year-old. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. And it took the shamelessness of a two-and-a-half-year-old to help position me to experience the goodness of God in her prayer. That, by the way, unlocked prayer on a mission trip not long after that for not only Christians in, in the mountains of India, but some, some Hindus to be healed by God. Because the tape that was going through my head the whole time I was up there when people would ask me to pray for them was, pray like Anna Grace. An 82-year-old woman, Christian, who had been deaf her whole life, 
received healing immediately. A pastor who had been blind for many years was healed instantly and shouted, I get to read God's word again. I get to read God's word. Another pastor whose arms had been locked like this ran around, was healed, and for two days ran around like this. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. A Hindu man who saw what was happening in one of our meetings came up with a distended stomach and asked us to pray for him. Would your God heal me? We heard him pray like Anna Grace, pray, pray like Anna Grace, and as we shamelessly laid hands on his stomach after asking permission, as we prayed, our hands just moved as if whatever was in his stomach disappeared. And he shouted, the pain's gone, the pain's gone. And that night, he and his household were saved. It was amazing. Our God is good. Our God is so good. So pray shamelessly. Who who have you quit praying for? What situation have you quit praying for? What circumstance have you quit praying for? And if you quit praying for you, I'm not condemning you for for uh, for having stopped praying because that's sometimes it does seem like forever, and, and God is not answering that prayer. We do get discouraged sometimes. But tonight could tonight be a night God wants to infuse some fresh grace in you to start praying again and to pray shamelessly, persistently, and expectantly for what he, he has for you, for that circumstance, for that person. Well, I like this picture. I, I like this portrait on the palette so far. I, I'd give my, my life to being part of a church like that. I, I would. But, but there's a few more brushstrokes that it have to be there. One, it'd have to be this, the brushstroke of ministries of forgotten ones. Brushstroke of ministry to and with forgotten ones, to the disenfranchised and marginalized of the world, whether they're the homeless and the poor, rape victims, abuse victims, or there's somebody sitting right beside you here in this room tonight who's simply feeling forgotten. Whoever the forgotten words are, the word of the Lord to them is. When everybody else may forget you, I don't forget you. You are not forgotten. I'd love to be part of a church that gives themselves to that kind of ministry. Those of you who know me won't find this next brushstroke very surprising at all, but I'd love to be part of a church that's a safe place for the dangerous coming. My friend Graham, Anna Grace's dad, is coming into town to teach. A, uh, one of the hats I wear is, is uh, I get to serve at a seminary here in town. And, and he's coming in to teach at our seminary on a class called The Dangerous Kind. One of the things in the circles he and I move in and that Paul moves in and others uh, who are here tonight is, is we, we want to be part of a church that is stirring, that is provoking that is prodding each other out of any complacency we might have in our lives as Western Christians so that we can be like Jesus and live dangerous lives. I mean, think about it. If you ask the Pharisees or you ask the devil and his demons, what do you think about Jesus? Chances are the response wouldn't be, well, he's a rather good philosopher. And we appreciate his arguments, though we, we respectfully disagree. <laughs> if, if you were asked the Pharisees or the devil and his demons what do you think about Jesus most surely one of the things they would say is this guy's dangerous to our cause this guy's dangerous to our purposes 
I want to live a life like that. I want to be part of a church like that. I'd love to be known as as having been dangerous. I'd love to have my kids or my grandkids look back on my life when that day comes and says, you know, Dad wasn't a perfect dad, but one of the things he was, he was dangerous. He was a real threat to the dominion of the enemy. And he was dangerous in the world for the kingdom. I'd love him to be able to say, you know, Dad loved all those movies like Braveheart and, and Gladiator and, and all of that where there's these wars and they're fighting for a cause and, and they're willing to die for their cause. But there was one difference between Dad and uh, William Wallace. Dad wanted to do violence to the dominion of the enemy, but he did it through nonviolent means. He did it by loving people. He did it by serving people. He did it by being like Jesus with the people Jesus would have been with. He was dangerous. But if you want to be dangerous for the kingdom of God, you've got to have a safe place. There's got to be a place that's so safe you can bring out of the darkness things that nobody else knows about you and trust that rather than discard you, they will still delight in you. They won't delight in your stuff. They won't delight in your sin, but they'll delight in you. And they'll be so faithful to be there for you and to walk with you and bringing that stuff to Jesus that that stuff will be healed. That stuff will be stuff you'll be set free from and you'll be transformed. And you'll be that dangerous kind. We all need that kind of safe place. Jesus was that safe place for the woman at the well. Jesus was the safe place for the woman caught in adultery. Jesus was a safe place for the guy who wanted to call down fire. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about you, buddy. (laughs) A safe place for the dangerous kind would have to be in that portrait. Well... There's a couple of other things that have to be in that portrait before we're finished with it. One is there'd have to be real encounter, not religion. And not ritual. Real encounter, where we actually really encounter the living God. One of my sons just, oh, he blessed my socks off, obviously, the, the other day. He and a couple of buddies of uh, his are in a band, and they live, they live down in Uptown. My 23-year-old son, Steve's got this really cool apartment in Uptown. I have to confess, I kind of covet his lifestyle. And where I thought, well, if I was a young adult, I'd love his apartment in Uptown. He's got this really crazy cat named Kingsley that fetches. <laughs> anyway, he and his buddies are, are walking out of a famous stage down there. They've been listening to a jazz group that, that was down there. And a Christian came up and said, hey, Hey guys, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And one of C's friends is, a, is an antagonistic atheist. Not just an atheist, but he loves chewing on Christians. Chewing them up and spitting them out. He takes pride in it. He loves to make them cry. He said, it's a good day when I made a Christian cry. <laughs> So he just tears into this Christian and, and Steve said, Daddy, you just see his head, the Christian's head just start to go down in his shoulders and sagging. And his two friends took off and I said, well, what did you do? And he said, well, I, 
I can't believe I did this, but I looked at the guy and said, do you want to get a cup of coffee? And of course, in Uptown, there's coffee houses on every corner. Mm-hmm. And so Steve takes this guy to, to a, a coffee shop and he's sitting at coffee. And Steve said, I, I bet you met with a lot of rejection today. The guy said, oh, you don't know the half of it. And Steve said, well, tell me about your day. So the guy did. And at one point, he stopped, and then he just thanks Steve. He said, you know, just thanks for listening. I said, what would you do next, Steve? And I said, well, I turned to him, and and I I said, could I suggest something to you? And the guy said, well, sure. And Steve said, maybe next time, that's not your approach. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Maybe that's not your approach, at least in this area, for two reasons. One... A lot of people down here have heard it, but they've only heard it coming out of angry preachers' mouths. So as soon as they hear that coming from you, they're immediately going to reject you. Or, if you stop and think about it, if you're not a Christian and you've never been to church, that, that's like a foreign language. What's that mean? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? We all know what it means here. But, but somebody who's not a Christian, maybe has never been in a church, that, that might just be like a foreign language. And the guy said, well, what do you think I should do? And Steve said, well, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul with the group in Athens. And, and I thought, crap, Steve, I didn't even know you knew that story from the back. <laughs> crap, by the way, comes from the Hebrew word <laughs> crap, eh? So just, just so you know that. That's a good local word. Anyway. <laughs> You know, you knew that story. He said, yeah. And I told the guy, you know, Paul in, in Athens, he, he talks to the Athenians, and, and he says, I see you're a religious people. Because he sees all their, their gods, the statues, and there's one to the unknown God. And he, he says, I see you're a religious people. And then he segues off. He, he engages them and then segues off of that to talk about Jesus. He said, maybe you could try something like, hey, guys, how you doing? I, I was just wondering, you guys got a time for a cup of coffee? Maybe, maybe we could talk about spirituality. I thought, oh, good job. Good job. And then he asked the guy if he could pray for him. And the Lord just fell on this guy. Real encounter. Not ritual. Not religion. Uh, final brushstroke I'd have to have would, would be that, that this church would be a real life band of brothers and sisters. I was talking to some of the group earlier about this tonight. And, and, and in my own clumsy way, the, the best way I can try to connect this in my own head and, and, and for some people is, is by referring to the Lord of the Rings trilogy in this, you know, the first installment and this great fellowship of the Rings. They have this incredible mission this incredibly important mission that the, the, the future of Middle Earth is at stake. If they don't get that ring destroyed, Middle Earth is done for. And they have to band together as this different, diverse band. They're, they're not even all people. I mean, there's an elf with ears. You could put so many piercings in, it's not even funny. And there's this dwarf that reminds me of what I look like in middle school. <laughs> and, you know, then there's Eric, you know, and, and, and of course the, the halflings. Um, what a 
what a crew that they were bound together in this band of brothers that had a mission that had to be accomplished and called them forward and actually pulled them closer together. I talked to my dad about a band of brothers he was a part of uh, before he died a few years ago. And uh, I, I'm a Vietnam vet, and my dad's a, a World War II vet, and he was one of the guys who landed at Normandy Beach on D-Day. He's one of the guys who lived. And the movie Saving Private Ryan had just come out at the time we were having our conversation. And so I was asking my dad, so, Dad, what do you think of the movie? And he, he thought it was a really good movie. But he said, there's no way it can compare to the day. No movie could to the actual day. And I said, well... What was it like? And my dad wasn't real good with words. and He kind of stumbled trying to find some way to communicate it. And finally he said, I, son, the only thing I tell you is I've never been so scared in my whole life. All of us were so scared as we landed that day. And it was the noise was incredible and the, the chaos and, and the fear. It, 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 it was in the air. And the only way we could land and take one step and then another step and then another step up the beach is that we knew that we had somebody on either side of us that was willing to stand shoulder to shoulder to see this mission accomplished. And he said, for a guy who didn't have a way with words, he kind of captured something I heard Paul say once. There's a relational element to courage. So we drew courage from each other. We were also scared, but we drew courage just by being together. And I wanted to paint into whatever portrait of the church I created this, this element of being a band of brothers and sisters that's willing to stand shoulder to shoulder to be there for each other, to take one step and then one step and then another step together and do violence to the dark dominion of the enemy through nonviolent means. I'd love to be part of a church like that. I'd love to paint that kind of portrait. Now, I, I love this, this portrait, and I'm thinking, man, I, I'd give myself to that. I, I'd go back and pastor a church like that again. I, I'd want to put some kind of... I, I, I don't know that you shellac a painting, <laughs> but some kind of protective cover over it. And, and I think that would have to be love. Because, you know, we can do all the things we do. We can say all the things we say. We can move in the gifts of the Spirit. And we can be vibrant evangelists. And on and on. We can be great teachers and theologians and whatever. But if we don't have love, right? The Apostle Paul says, we're like a clanging gun. I I work with a lot of leaders. I get the privilege of, of... working alongside Paul and we get to, to in the circles we travel in we talk with a lot of leaders and we're out there with a lot of leaders and I'm so sad I'm so sad so often at the state of leadership in the Christian church that rather than loves each other attacks each other and criticizes each other in public not just has a difference of opinion, but criticizes, demonizes each other. I'm so sad 
this painting of any church I'd want to be a part of, it have to have some kind of, you don't shellac a beautiful portrait, but some kind of protective covering, and that covering would have to be love, because Jesus himself said, it's by your love that they're going to know that you're my disciples. It's by your love for each other. It's by your love for one another. It's by your love for the person in the group, in the church, no matter what the expression of the church is, it absolutely drives you nuts. The person that she's laughing back there, she knows somebody who absolutely drives her nuts, and she's looking at you, man. It's that person and working through to a place of being able to love that person. I, I love the prayer that a 14-year-old boy prayed at a recent national church gathering. A 14-year-old boy prayed, Jesus, please give me the eyes to see people, especially those closest to me, the way that you do, so that I can love them like you do. Isn't that a cool prayer? Again, it's a kid. Well, I I don't know what it's like for an artist to step back from their creation and see the finished product. I don't know what it feels like for Paul to step back from a manuscript and feel good about it. Not not in a prideful way, but in a, yeah, Lord, yeah, we we did that. I don't know what it feels like for Jackie Rodney to step back from a sculpting she's just finished or one of the paintings she graced Debbie and I with. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what it feels like when the thing you just created comes alive. But I'd love to know what it would feel like for that kind of painting of the church to come to life. I'd love to know what it would look like to others and what the impact it would have on the world would be. I I jotted down a few things that I, I think would be the reality of that kind of church. I think that God would be glorified in all that that kind of church said and did. That Jesus be the, would be the one who gets all the credit and gets all the glory. I think that the people of that kind of church that are involved in that kind of church, no matter what the expression of the church is, would be leaving the four walls of whatever building they happen to meet in and gather in to launch out into the world and engage not yet Christians in authentically caring relationships. Not caring about them because you might be able to lead them to the Lord. But caring about them simply because they're a human being. And because Jesus died for them. And loves them. For God so loved the world. Not just the church. I think people in that kind of church would would be loving people just for the sake of loving them. And in the context of those caring relationships would certainly be quick and happy to share their faith and the reason that they have hope. Helping lead others to faith in Jesus Christ. I think people of that kind of church would be helping others experience God's healing touch for their sicknesses and their emotional wounds, would be helping set people free who are being held captive by demonic deception or harassment, would be helping people be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that they could live fully into the destinies that God has for their life. I was sitting in in the back, in one of the back pews earlier, 
you have pews in your well, by the way. So, <laughs> and we're sitting back there by 10, and I was looking out over all of you, and I was taken back to uh, the early 1980s. And I was here in the Twin Cities at that time with my wife, Debbie, and we were part of a young adult movement called Intercollegiate Fellowship Revival, ICFR, for the initials, and we used to play off that, ICFR. <laughs> talked a lot about vision. Our question back then, because you still remember, is pumping your own, or people pumping your gas and pumping your, you know, back in the, in the day people would come out and, and gas stations and actually pump your gas for you. That was their job. And, and we would ask each other, what would you be willing to pump gas for? If that's what you, you did for a living, you'd be content doing that because the real thing you're really after is whatever. What would you be willing to pump your gas for? I've never seen a movement like that ever before. The worship was absolutely incredible. There was a time I went into a trance and lost 20 minutes of my life. And I've never yet figured out where the Lord had me during that time. All I know is that my wife noticed that I was a different guy. After that, I mean, the worship was just incredible. And the fellowship was incredible. And the teachings were incredible. And now around this country, there are literally hundreds of pastors and leaders in the Christian church that came out of that young adult movement here in the Twin Cities. There are business people who are seeing their their work as their places of ministry. There are men and women who are being great moms and dads to their kids that came out of that young adult ministry. I wonder what's going to come out of this one. That's what I sat back there thinking. I wonder what's going to come out of this one. Whatever it is, I hope you ask the Lord what He wants you to paint and what He wants you to create and what He wants you to give your life to. And then give your life to it. In His power and His strength, give your life to it. It won't always be easy. But you'll never be sorry that you chose to do that. I was a businessman before I, I went into this this um, form of ministry, serving as a pastor, and, and, and then what I'm doing now. In 1979, the last year that I was in business, I made over a hundred thousand dollars. Bought a new Monte Carlo, burgundy with bench seats so my wife could, and girlfriend could slide her hand across the seat. <laughs> the next year, God got a hold of me and I, I received an invitation to become a youth pastor of a church of 100 people with 14 years. I surprised even myself. As Debbie and I prayed about it, it became the thing we could not not do. And I went from a salary of over $100,000 to less than twelve. Now, that's no big pat on the back for me. Although my mom, my, my dad thought I was crazy and my mom cried for a week. <laughs> They're supposed to be going up the ladder, not down. <laughs> but it became a thing I could not not do because Debbie and I decided early in our marriage 
that, Lord, we can live anywhere. We can be doing whatever you want us to do. We can adjust to whatever economic level you want us on. We can, we can adjust to any geographic region of the country or world that you want us in as long as we know we're where you want us to be. And we're doing what you want us to be doing. And because of that, we never looked back and said, well, what if? Because there's no amount of money that could equal the goodness of God that we've walked in for the last 31 years. Mm-hmm. I have a, a prayer that, that you can pray as, as I close the turn and over to Natalie or whomever. Um, this prayer will make you dangerous for the kingdom of God. This prayer will help you give your life to what God wants you to give your life to. This prayer can help you create whatever it is God wants you to create. This prayer is not original with me. It comes from the 1908 Welsh Revival. And this prayer is this. God, do whatever you need to do in me so you can do whatever you want to do through me. God, do whatever you need to do in me so you can do whatever you want to do through me. God needed that little two and a half year old girl to lay a hand on me and to pray for my healing so he could deal with some unbelief in me so that he could then begin to do what he wanted to do through me. What's God need to do in you this year? I dare you to pray that. Back in the the day when Paul and I were young men, we used to say, I double dog dare you (laughs) to pray that. I double dog dare you. And then to listen. To listen in a whole variety of ways. Paul's going to be talking on hearing God on this this trip. And I know you talk about hearing God here. There's a, a whole myriad of ways that God speaks to us. And as you pray that prayer, listen for what God begins to say to you. Derek, here's what I need to do in you so that I can do whatever I want to do through you. And then dare to begin to cooperate with Him in ushering in whatever change He needs to make in your life. It may be painful. Change is painful. I happen to love change. Just don't change my stuff. I don't mind if God messes with you at all. But I hate it when He messes with me and with my comfortability. God, do whatever you need to do in me so that you can do whatever you want to do through me. So that we can give our lives to something that we can look back on, that you can look back on in the years down down the road and say, I'm glad. I'm glad I've given the last decade. I'm glad I've given the last two decades. I'm glad I've given the last three decades or whatever. However many years God gives you, you can be able to look back and say, I'm glad I gave my life to that. Um, it's been a, a real privilege to be with you. You are an amazing group of, of young people. I know many of you. Uh, some of you I haven't had the honor to meet yet. Um, but you have you have a life here and a vibrancy and a passion and abandonment to God 
that is wonderful. I pray that God sends many, many, many more people to catch it from you. And do all that you have to do to guard it so that you don't lose it. Thank you, Mike. Um, would you want to pray for us, actually? Please. Now, come Holy Spirit, how would you have us pray here tonight? Uh, don't uh, be afraid, but I'm going to just let it be silent for all I like. Sometimes I just like to invite Holy Spirit to come and then just listen. You know, we, we fill silence a lot with words when we don't need to, so don't be too free to this. Just quiet for a little bit. to put your hand to. 
And the important thing is going to be that you walk out a, a walk of obedience that's free of comparing what he's called you to to what he's called somebody else to. Okay, this may seem like a no-brainer, but tonight is the night. Tonight is the appointed night for some of you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've, you've been struggling with it. Uh, you've been resisting it. And, and sometimes there's some really good reasons because you've seen some really flaky stuff. But as we, we move into to some of the things of the Holy Spirit, part of the growing curve is, is, you know, when a little kid starts to walk, they're not immediately coordinated. You know, other than Drew's son and Erica's son. But other than that, they're, they're not, most, they're, they're kind of awkward. And we're kind of like that when we move into some of the things of the Lord. So some of the things that have put you off are simply part of the learning curve. Some of the things are truly flaky. People have been really flaky and are abusive. But you, you, need to, you need to release forgiveness toward those people and not miss what God has for you because of, of the bad modeling maybe they've given you. So tonight's the night for some of you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and don't leave without praying for them with somebody. Whomever that might be, that's a prayer God will answer. If you ask Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit, if you ask Him to baptize you in His, His Holy Spirit, He will answer that prayer. I guarantee it. Not my guarantee, but His guarantee in His Word. And it will be manifested in your life. That the power of the Holy Spirit will be manifested in your life in, in new ways. Some really fun ways. Some ways that will surprise you. Some of you will be surprised at how the Lord is going to manifest the baptism of His Spirit in your life. But He wants you to know tonight that part of your being here is an appointment to be baptized in His Holy Spirit. Some of these things kind of sound like, well, that could be true of anybody, but I, I just want to try to be obedient to what I'm hearing, and then let's just test them out or whatever. But uh, uh, there's somebody here who's really getting hooked in an old relationship that's not good for you. And, and it's, it's, it's as dangerous as those antlers over on the, the wall over here. And it's a relationship that you've tried to, to shake free from uh, numerous times, but you get, keep getting re-engaged in, in that thing. But the Lord wants you to know that if you don't uh, let him help you get set free from it once and for all, that, that it's, it's going to have some harmful consequences. You need to let this relationship go tonight and trust God. And trust the other person to God. Let it go. Let it go. False guilt is keeping you in this relationship. Let it go. Well, Jesus, I, I thank you for uh, the honor of, of being able to be with this uh, great group here tonight. Um, we want to be like you. Jesus, you just take our breath away. You are so good. The way you love us is such an incredible love, Jesus. I, I pray for all of us that you would give us an ability with new eyes 
to see all the ways you're already loving us and to receive that love, a, a new freedom to receive the love rather than to hold it at arm's length. Lord, I pray for this beloved group that you would just continue to speak to them, guide them, protect them, empower them, bless them. I pray you would continue to manifest your presence in whatever way you want to. I pray, Lord Jesus, that for every person in this room tonight, including myself, that you will show us something you need to do in our lives this year that will make us more dangerous for your kingdom, that will enable us to do what you want to do through us. I pray no person here tonight will go this year without hearing at least one thing from you. And then come, Holy Spirit, and accomplish that work in us. We confess that whatever the Lord wants to show us, we can accomplish in our own strength and power. So come, Holy Spirit, and do that work in us. Thank you again so much, Mike, for that word. That was just a beautiful picture he painted, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I can bet you some of those things really hit home. Some of them you're like, yeah, that's right, I got that. And there, there may be some things that you felt like, oh, yeah, I want more of that. And this is an opportunity now where if you guys want, if you guys are willing to open up your heart and ask God, he will be so faithful so tonight we're going to have this room that you guys are sitting in the living room for you guys, for the people that can't see. This is going to be a time of prayer. If you know someone that you trust that you want prayer from, or we have people here that are going to be wearing um, Hawaiian lays, and those people are specifically in here to pray for you, for whatever you want. If, if you guys heard Mike talking about the Holy Spirit and you want to know more, and you want to receive some of the gifts that God has for you, this is the time, guys. Let's equip ourselves. Sometimes it's easiest to do that in a small group. Mm-hmm. It may be if you listen to Mike and say, yeah, I'd like to receive that kind of prayer, and you don't know who to go to, sometimes it's good just to bring a group together. So I'm going to be in, in the study, which is right off the family room here. And if you want to come in, if there are two or 22, we'll just come in there together talk together about it, and uh, if you have questions, and then we can pray together. Did you guys all hear that? All right. All right, so just a couple of housekeeping things. Um, food is in over here. There's an offering plate if you guys want to give to Communitas to pay for the food, any expenses, anything like that. Bathroom girls are, is right here, upstairs, guys downstairs. All right, that's it. Have a wonderful night. Thank you.